I want to welcome all of our campuses. I particularly want to welcome the men and women joining us at the Orleans Justice Center and St. Tammany Parish Jail. I want to welcome you guys to week one of our series entitled Jonah and the God of Another Chance. Come on, can we just welcome those that are joining us? So excited to have you guys. So fired up. Well, today and over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at a man in Scripture uh, that was a very, probably a very popular name to you, Jonah. I know they've done movies about him. I know I saw Veggie Tales one time uh, with Jonah on it with my kids. We were watching it on TV. And uh, so Jonah is an interesting person, a very familiar person in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at Jonah's life. And we're going to look at some of the lessons that we can draw from Jonah who Jonah was, what God was doing in his heart, how he, quote, did not obey what God told him to do. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the Old Testament. Jonah uh, is in the Old Testament, a short book. Uh, You probably do know the story. Again, Jonah is a guy who doesn't want to do what God told him to do. God was very clear. God had a plan and a purpose for Jonah to accomplish something. But Jonah, listen, like us, sometimes we know what God has said. We know what God wants. But there's a reluctance on the inside of us. How many of y'all would be honest enough to say that there's been a time in your life walking with God where you know that God spoke to you. You know that you were supposed to do something, but there was some reluctance in your life. Come on, anybody with a show of hands? I know in myself, in my life, I know that there's been times when that's happened. So I'm going to jump right into this because I want to talk to you about Jonah and the reluctancy of this man. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Here's what the Bible says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. In other words, he didn't go where he was supposed to go. He went in the opposite direction. And he went down to Joppa. And the Bible says he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now in verse 1 and 2, God calls Jonah and shares a vision for his life. God called him to be a prophet to a particular place. But Jonah didn't obey. Instead of going to Nineveh, the largest city in the world at the time, he went to somewhere totally opposite. Matter of fact, the the interesting, I wrote down a couple things about Nineveh. At the time, the capital of Assyria, modern-day Iraq area, about 250 miles above where modern-day Baghdad would be. Verse 3, we see Jonah's unfortunate response to God's call. Jonah ran. Jonah went down to Joppa, where he found an outbound ship. The Bible says he got on the ship and he went down into the ship, knowing the whole time that God had spoken to him to do something different. Can you imagine what was going through Jonah's mind? Can you imagine what was going through Jonah's heart? When on the inside, he knew that God had told him to do one thing, and yet, and yet he was doing something different. Can you imagine that first night on the boat, and the next day, and All of the things that went through his mind as he was grappling with the reality. And why is it? Why is it that he didn't want to go to Nineveh? 
Well, the fact is, is that there's lots of reasons. But, but, but Nineveh was a, a very wicked city. It was a, a very bad place. And, and, Nona, and Jonah, for whatever reason, he felt like if I go there and if I go down to that place and I preach and I prophesy, something's going to happen and then they're going to repent. And, and, and these people are, are, are very wicked people. There's lots of things that went through Jonah's mind. And yet, he was disobedient to God. There's been times when I know God's asked me to do things. God's spoken to me, whether it's to go forgive somebody I didn't want to forgive, <laughs> whether it was to go start something I didn't want to start because I knew that it was going to cost and require some energy or time, or when God was asking me maybe to go spend time with somebody I didn't want to do. Why? Because it was putting me out of my comfort zone. I know there's been times in my life where God's told me to go across a restaurant and maybe pay for somebody's meal or share Christ with somebody, but, 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 but after all, God, I'm busy. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You ever been there before? And yet God is asking us to do something to take us out of our comfort zone, to, to, to make our lives a little bit inconvenient. You know that convenience is a God to so many of us. <laughs> Comfort, convenience. And yet God was speaking to Jonah just like he's spoken to us. See, here, here's what I believe. And I want to posit this for this message that, that, that I believe that there's a little bit of Jonah in each one of us. I think there's a reluctancy on the inside of each one of us where God has spoken to us to do things, and yet, and yet we've not wanted to comply. Remember Jonah chapter 1, 1, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I wrote this down. The good news is that the word of the Lord will come to us today, that God will speak to us today. Again, by the way, I'm fired up. Uh, next year, actually in the beginning of the year in January, we're doing a series, our community series, where we're going to talk about the six ways that God will speak to us. Again, the primary way God speaks is through His Word. We open the Word of God, and God will speak to us, but He also speaks through His Holy Spirit, the inner witness of the Spirit. He also speaks through what? Other people. He'll also speak through, 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 through the counsel, multitude of counsel, but He also speaks through prophetic gifts and, and somebody speaking the Word into our lives. He also speaks through circumstances, visions and dreams. We learned about that recently. And so as we open the Bible, listen, we can get a Word from God every day. We don't have to wait for some experience in prayer. We can hear from God in the Word of God, and it's very clear. Listen, Jonah heard a very clear word from God of what he was supposed to do. When was the last time you knew that you knew? Listen, matter of fact, I had a guy tell me one time, Pastor, it seems like every time I go to the Bible, God speaks to me. I said, that's the point. He's like, every time I open the book, man, I, he said, one time I actually tried to play a game. I was just, just kind of doing like this, and I opened up, and it was exactly what I needed. How do you know this book is alive? <laughs> the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 of itself, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. The word of the Lord comes to us as we open this word. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And Jonah knew that God was speaking to him. And we've got a choice. By the way, every time that God speaks, we have a choice. God doesn't make us obey. In other words, I mean, there's a choice. We can run from God or we can obey God. We can do what God says or we can, listen, we're not robots. Now, I will say this. The circumstances that often follow disobedience are not the, mo the, the, the most favorable in our lives. But the truth is we, we have a choice. Jonah, Jonah had had a choice. Will I obey God? Will I do what I know that God is asking me to do? The word of the Lord will come to us. The good news is, is that God's word will 
come to us. And God is a graceful God, but God will give us a chance. And, and, and God's word will come back to us. How many of y'all would be honest enough to say, uh, and you don't have to show your hands, but, but you know that God spoke to you, you disobeyed it, but God came back around another time. I remember God spoke to, I remember the book of Acts, God spoke several times, three times, listen, <laughs> to uh, Peter, to, to, to go to Cornelius' house. Uh, are, are you sure you're going to talk to somebody besides the Jew, Jesus? Are you, are you sure you want me to go talk? Are you One time, two times, three times. I am so grateful that God does not wipe us out the first time we disobey it. How many of y'all grateful for that? Come on. Some of you may be there right now where you know that God has spoken to you. So I want to draw some lessons from Jonah's life. Number one, again, if you're following along with me, number one, God will, here it is, if you can pull it up, God will ask you to do some things that you simply don't want to do. Many of us really believe we know what's best for our lives. So many times in our own circumstances, like with raising children, right? We're raising kids, and a kid's eight years old, and they think, I know what's best. Do you really? Do you really see the bigger picture? Have you really experienced life? And yet, how many times will God say something? And we, we almost, again, we may not want to admit this. We may raise our fist to God. I know what's best for my life, God. I really know what's best. Are you are you the watch or are you the watchmaker? <laughs> are you the one that is supposed to be ticking or are you the one that actually implemented and put the ticks in the watch? And the fact is God knows how you're designed. God knows what's best. God knows the end before the beginning. He knows what's happening around your life. He knows the other things that are actually maneuvering around your life. I'll never forget I was um, 30. I had spoken to teenagers uh, for eight years and Graduated college, went to Bible school, and came back. And of course, uh, many of you know the story. I was teaching and preaching to kids. We had a ministry called Next Generation, still going today in Bible clubs and high schools and junior highs, giving buying pizza for kids. They were coming to Bible clubs, they're volunteer clubs, and we were just kind of helping facilitate that. And then I was preaching at youth camps at different places, and God was stirring in my heart. Some of you have heard this story to go plant a church, and I didn't know where to go. And I went to my pastor, and, and this would have been January of 1999, and. And, 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 and I went, and I, and I just said, Pastor, I said, I know that God's telling me to start a church. I don't know where to go, and I don't really know what to do. And, 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 and he says, well, you need to pray about it. I said, well, Pastor, I'm praying. So he came to me in April of 1999, and here's what he said. He says, I've been praying about it, and I feel like you were supposed to go across the lake to Mandeville. There was a church that we had, and it disbanded, and, 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 we, and there was two men that came to me that were part of that, want to restart a church, and I feel like you're supposed to. I said, no, I don't, I, Pastor, in all due respect, I just... That's, that's a new thought. I never even thought it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's God. I, I really don't in all due respect. He came back to me again about two months later. He says, I really feel like this is God, and you really need to consider this. And, and I said, Pastor, I, I just, I, you know, I just, I, I want to go to Houston, Texas. As a matter of fact, I went in the summer of 1999 to Houston, Texas. And I toured around and prayed about it, came back. My wife and I were, of course, we went together, and, and uh, I had been married four years at that point. This is 1999, and prayed about it, nothing. God didn't speak at all. We went to New York City. We went to Florida. We couldn't hear anything from God. Of course, I come back. My pastor said, so what did you think? He said, I said, I, I, I just, I, I'm not hearing anything from God. He goes, I know you're not because you're supposed to go to Mandeville, Louisiana. I, I want to say it was at least three. It could have been four times. Four times. Oh, and then a matter of fact, Jacob Aranza, Pastor Jacob Aranza, who's a pastor to me now, who was a mentor to me at the time, 
He said to me, here's what he said. I said, you know, Pastor Frank's told me three times. Matter of fact, the last time he says, I'm telling you, you're going to miss God if you don't do this. That's a big deal. because He felt so strongly about this. So I went and called Pastor Jacob Ramsey, you know, because that's, that's that, you know, I just, I said, man, I need that, you know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. And I went to him and I said, you know, Pastor Frank really feels like I'm supposed to do this. What do you think? He goes, absolutely, that's God. Two voices, two authority figures in my life had not spoken to one another and had the exact same counsel. God is speaking to you. I was coming back from ABC campground in Eunice, Louisiana. Anybody ever heard of Eunice, Louisiana? The thriving metropolis of Eunice, Louisiana. By the way, you've heard this? It's the Boudin capital of the whole world. It's a big, big deal. They've got a sign when you come into town. It's a self-proclaimed sign. I was preaching a youth camp. I was preaching a youth camp actually for a church called Trinity Church. It later became Healing Place Church in Baton Rouge. Great church up there. And and uh, the Holy Spirit just filled my car. I mean, literally, I was talking to my wife, and God spoke clearly. I'm sending you across the lake to raise up a church to touch the region. We don't believe we're the only church, but God was speaking. But here's the point: it took me, it took me from from the spring. It took me about six months to obey what was clearly God's word. Clearly, God was speaking through my past. He was speaking through another. He was confirming over and over and over. Wow. The fact of the matter is that sometimes we really do know what's best, or we think we know what's best. A lot of times we feel like we know what's best, and we don't want to obey what God is really clar- clarifying. I mean, how many times? How many, how many times does it have to be over and over? Every scripture and the con- prophetic words and people around us and confirmation. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. It's clear. And cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, you may wonder, well, okay, Jonah's a prophet, and that, that's what he does, and he preaches God's word. Why didn't he just want to obey? Well, you understand Nineveh and the Syrian Empire. You understand a little bit more why. I wrote this down. The Syrian Empire was right next to Israel and their arch enemy. Nineveh was the capital city. The Assyrians were brutal in the way that they attacked and tortured their, their, their captors. And so Jonah knew the story, and he's like, I don't want them getting in on the mercy of God. Sometimes we think we know what's right. He was upset about that. The word of the Lord had come to him. It was very clear. How many times again? I'll never forget one time I knew that God was speaking to me about forgiving this person and reconcile this thing. I I was like, it was so clear in the word. It was so clear in the word of God. Matter of fact, I listen, this is crazy. I'm going to tell you. I didn't want to read the Bible for two days because I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me to forgive because I was scared. Somewhere along the line, I'm going to stumble upon one of them forgiveness scriptures. Come on, you know what? You can't open this Bible and it's not just God forgives us. We love those. God forgives, his mercy endures, declare the Lord and all that. We love all of this, right? Because we blow it. But what we don't like is when we got to give it out this way. I literally avoided Ephesians. I was like, it's all up in that thing, you know. Ephesians chapter 4 and 5. I was like, man, that thing is coming, you know. How many times you know that God has spoken to you? And we try to run and go the other way, and we harden our hearts. And I know it's the summertime. A lot of college kids come back in the summertime, and maybe you're in a relationship with somebody, and you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and you're getting close to that line where you're crossing over that line where you're 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 entering into some dangerous areas physically relating to them, because anything outside of the context of marriage, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you know God's talking to you because you have a conscience. By the way, by the way. You can run from the Bible, but you can't run from your conscience. 
because you're made in the image of God and God is speaking to you. And it's like, oh, God, everywhere I go, I know. <laughs> it's everywhere you go. Whether it's to forgive somebody or whether you feel maybe God's talking about crossing that line or maybe God's telling you to step out and to do something. You don't want to do it. Why do you don't want to do it? Because I know the cost attached to doing that. Or maybe it's to go back to school, whatever it is. How many times has God spoken to us? Oh, by the way, I've heard somebody say this before. God spoke to me and I obeyed. But it took me a while. I want you guys to write this down, all the campuses. Remember this, watch this, watch this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Come on, how many, how many times with our kids? Hey, come here. I said now. I'll be there. Now. I'm counting to three. One, two, three. I'm going to 10, and if not, I'm coming to get you. Five, come on, are y'all with me? And that's called, that's called, everybody say, delayed obedience is disobedience. So, so it's not like, I, I, I'm coming one day, Jesus. No, no, when God speaks, we're supposed to do it. By the way, my friend Tim Delaney, you've heard him say this before. Maybe he's a great pastor and uh, in Lafayette, and he's with Pastor Jacob Rantz, and I love it. He goes, here, here's what he says. Spiritual maturity is the lag time between when you know that God speaks and when you obey. If you're mature, that time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Does that make sense? Immaturity is how long it takes. All right, number two. Whenever God does speak, you can always find a boat sailing in the opposite direction. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can always find somebody there, some boat. You can always find some ship moving the wrong way. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to do what I want to do, and I'll find somebody to agree with me. Look at verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it and to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He's running from God. I mean, running from God. Why did he sell to Tarshish? Well, he wanted to run from God. God said, go east to Nineveh. And Jonah said, oh, no, I'm going west. 2,500 miles west, by the way. That's how far it was, 2,500 miles. Literally, Jonah wanted, listen, it'd be like saying, God says, go to, you know, Tennessee, and you end up in Venezuela. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm going. I'm making sure I'm getting from God's voice. You'll always find a ship, a friend, a group or somebody, listen, listen, that'll go in the wrong direction with you. Ah, you know, after all, you know, and they just start filling in the blanks. Isn't that amazing? There's always somebody there. Oh, yeah, you know what? That wasn't God. God wasn't telling you that. You shouldn't do that anyway, because if you do that, let me just tell you something. Yeah, and you know what? And after all, there's always a ship going in the wrong direction. Always. I remember when I was speaking to high school and junior high, I said, there's always a group of friends that want to go in the wrong direction. You will find them, by the way. They're in Joppa. I'm telling you, they're in your junior high. They're in your high school. They're on your college campus. They work with you. You'll always find a ship going in the wrong direction. And that ship identifies running from God. Wow. I was thinking about this as I was reading and putting this together this week. Some of you can relate. And I want to say this respectfully, but you've been running for a little while. 
from God. You know God's been talking to you about something. Maybe you're still coming to church, right? You're here, here but, but you know in your heart you've been running. Because the cost of whatever God's asking you to do, you've been, isn't it amazing how we can figure our way out of obeying God? I mean, we can get highly sophisticated in scenario planning. We can rationalize ourselves. And after all, why should I do this? Because they haven't done that. And after all, and just whatever it is. Or why should I do this? I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's not doing those things. And after all, it's no fair. And they look like they're having all that fun. And what about me? And come on, are y'all with me? <laughs> I mean, we start rationalizing, right? We start taking, uh, 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 what do we do? You know, popularity polls and, and social trends. And we start evaluating instead of the word of God, what God is speaking to us, we start going with a boat in the wrong direction. We've all done it before. I know what some of you think, well, pastor, you're offending me. You're offending me because I'm in church. I can't be going in the wrong direction. Well, you're not running from God, but you may be drifting. There's a difference used to come to church all the time. Now it's once every six weeks. And, you know, you'd get in the word of God. And, you know, pastor would fire you up in January. Read the Bible through the year. You know, and again, you've heard this before. It's July, you know, like you're on Genesis 4. And, you know, because ah, you know, I don't have time for that. I'm busy. And so, so you're not running from God. Listen, listen, but you are drifting. You're not showing up like you used to. And you're not going to a small group. Why? Because I'm busy and there's things going on and I just can't. And, 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 and by the way, do you, isn't it amazing how easy it gets to not show up once you don't start showing up? Isn't that amazing? So, 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 so maybe it's not a full course run, but it's just a drift. You know, I go to Florida. I try to go once a, once a year uh, with my family. We live Destin, you know, saying Destin area. It's, it's, it's great. And, 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 and boy, what an illustration. I'll never forget years ago, of course, with my kids. And, and, you know, I'm just kind of one of these paranoid parents. Okay, stand there, you know. So I would bring one of them out. But don't move, you know, don't move, you know. Don't come in the water, you know. It's ankle deep, don't, you know, because they're young. And you hear, and you need, and by the way, you can't be too careful. <laughs> but isn't it amazing when you're out there in the ocean, out there in the Gulf, and, and you don't even realize it, you look up, you're just kind of having fun, and, and you actually end up, you're about 100 yards down from where you started? And let me tell you, let me tell you, and you didn't even realize it, but you were what? Everybody say, you were what? Drifting, drifting. So maybe it's not a full course run, but I'm going to tell you, but if you don't recognize it, guess what? That thing would bring you a mile down, two miles down. That's where some people are. You used to be really close to God. You used to be in the word of God. You'd be praying and fasting, loving God and showing up at church and and then you got offended, something happened, or you got busy, just the cares of life. Jesus talks about just the cares of life, not evil things. Responsibilities, and then you quit showing up in the Word, quit showing up in prayer, quit showing up in church. And, and boy, it is so easy to start. It's so easy once you get down the path. And I say this respectfully, but that's where some of you guys are. Maybe some of you guys watching this online, maybe you were an active church member or church goer or something. Maybe you, maybe this is the weekend that you came in, but it's been six months. And we're so grateful you're here. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm telling you, this is a word that God wants you to press in. Everybody say press in. God wants the drift to stop. God wants it to stop. Why? Because he's got a plan for you. He had a plan for Jonah. He had a purpose for his life. He couldn't run forever. All right, number three. You guys learn anything? All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, I got a couple more points. Listen, it's getting ready to go to another level. <laughs> All right, I'm just telling you, just remember. So where are we? God speaks, and we often are reluctant to obey. 
Number two, the second thing that we see here is, is that whenever God, whenever we you know, want to disobey, there's always a boat that's going in the wrong direction. Here it is. We're going up another level. God may allow a storm to grab your attention. I didn't say God sends every storm, but I do say that God will allow a storm. Look at verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. So the ship was full of sailors, and they're transporting cargo. That's what they're doing. And it's a very strong ship, and the storm had such a great wind, you can only imagine how it caused the boat going up and down, and everybody's screaming and freaking out, and they're just, ah, what's going on, you know? And they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, Jonah, it's interesting. By the way, if you read the whole story, Jonah's down there at first sleeping. Like, dude, what's going on? You know, and they're trying to wake everybody up. Hey, what's going on? They're trying to, should they start throwing off cargo? Look what it says in verse 4. It says, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. In other words, let me just tell you something. I, 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 I know God, because they start questioning. Well, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? What's going on? Finally, finally, Jonah comes to a moment where he goes, you know what? I, I, I think I know what's wrong. <laughs> I, 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 I admit, okay, all right, all right, all right, let me tell everybody. Okay, listen, I've got some insight of what's going on. What? Because, we listen, this thing's breaking up and we're about to die. Please don't miss this point. We often think that our disobedience is a private thing. But our disobedience affects other people. Come on, not just if you're a dad, it affects your kids, if you're a mom, but, but it affects your friendship circles. It affects your small group. It affects your place of work. Listen, when we're not doing what God's called us to do and obeying God, listen, it affects everybody around us. Whew. Yeah. Finally, finally, Jonah says, it's me. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me, guys. I'm telling you. It's me. Look at verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Let me just say this. Sometimes God allows storms to get our attention. Again, I'm not saying that every storm that happens in our lives, sometimes storms come in three ways. Sometimes it's because we have a real devil that's attacking us. Sometimes it's because we live in a fallen world, and it just happens. And sometimes God himself orchestrates some things. Are you with me? And sometimes we've got to ask ourselves, okay, is this because of something that I have done or have not done? Have I put myself in a position where now, I listen, I am now impacting other people because of my decisions, and I put other people in harm's way because of my decisions? You know, as a pastor, I think about that all the time. I know that if I make some dumb decisions, a lot of people's lives are going to be impacted. But let me just push it back in your corner, and so are you if you make some dumb decisions. Some other people are going to be influenced by that. There's people, every one of us have an oikos. We have a sphere of influence. We, we have something in our life where, 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 where we have people around us that, 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 that are impacted. There, there, there is no private disobedience. Man, this is, the stakes are high. Do you all see that? Man, the stakes are high with this. Finally, they throw them overboard and you know how the story goes? They throw them overboard immediately. Everybody say immediately. The winds die down and everything just gets calm. But something interesting happens. The original text actually says there was a fish, a large fish, 
Again, there's a lot of contrary. Was it a whale? Was it? There was a fish, a very large. It was nasty. Look at verse. Or look, look at number four here. God prepared a fish. Jonah's fish timeout. <laughs> How many parents in here? Come on, raise your hand. What's a timeout when your kids disobey? Right, you go put them in a corner and you go, don't move. You know, you're in timeout. Well, guess what? They threw him off the boat. All right, but God actually prepared a fish to swallow him up. And when he was in that fish, listen, God, God uniquely designed a moment to get his attention. Jonah's fish timeout was exactly what he needed. Exactly what he needed. Look at verse 15 and 17. I'm almost finished. Stay with me. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from the raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. By the way, your disobedience, my disobedience affects other people. But our obedience positively affects other people. Just remember that. Our decisions have consequences, both in the positive and in the negative. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they took vows. And now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord because they saw the seas, the raging of the seas calm down, and the Lord provided this fish to swallow Jonah. He was inside the fish for three days and three nights, and the Lord provided this. I wrote this down. Listen, what may look like a prison may very well be God's provision for your life. See, what happens is <clears throat> we get in situations, and, and we've made some poor choice. We've run from God. We've not obeyed God. We've had disobedience through delayed obedience, whatever it is. And the fact of the matter, listen, that fish was actually God's mercy. It was God's mercy so, so that Jonah didn't die and everybody else. And remember this, it was the call of God on his life. It was the purpose of God in his life. That God had prepared something, and what happens a lot of times, we don't see God's mercy. Everybody say mercy. We perceive the things that are happening around us as negative. Be very careful, listen, ascribing to the devil what God is doing. Now, we need discernment. Sometimes there's a clear attack of the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And guess what? We need to rebuke the devil. Absolutely. And that's why we need discernment. And godly men and women around us to be able to help us discern. Is this attack from the devil? But, 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 but it could be that God is allowing and even orchestrating some things in our lives. It's not the devil. It's God. And you need to be very careful that you're not kicking against what God's doing. We need discernment in that. The discernment of God. Yes, there's a real devil. And yes, we live in a fallen world. But, but, but let me tell you something. God's the one that prepared this time out. This was God's mercy. This was God's doing. God had done this. Some of you, you may not know a time out is, again, something that God uses throughout Scripture. You, you open your Bible, the Old Testament, the, 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 the New Testament. Again, I want to be very careful. I do not think that everything bad that happens in life, God sent it. I do not. But we don't believe that theologically. The Bible doesn't teach that. But we need wisdom and discernment because sometimes we're trying to kick our way out of something God's got us in that's actually protection. Does that make sense? Wow. Boy, there's a lot to that. There's so much to that. I'll never forget my, uh, my, my senior year, God was on me, man, big time. I mean, it's like whew, heavy, 
heavy, heavy. I mean, there was conviction. Remember, I had to go to church. My parents made me go to church. I didn't go to church. I didn't get lunch money. I was going to church. I wanted to eat. <laughs> Did you like church? No, I like food. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I was going to go to church. And, uh, man, I tell you, my senior year, God's hand was so on me, and God's press was on my life. And it was just, I mean, I'd come into worship service, and they'd sing some songs, and, you know, and I would just, I'd had my heart so hardened. And I was just doing everything. And I, and I wanted to, I, I played football, and I was one that my, my whole goal was to play college football. I mean, I, it was really the only thing that kept me from going way off the train tracks. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I was just, it was, at least that was a, a good, it was a good goal. And so I was so focused on that my senior year. My very first game of my senior year against Destrehan High School, I hurt my shoulder. I went up. To, I was a, a safety and intercepted a pass. I fell on my shoulder and busted up my shoulder. Didn't get any surgery. My shoulder was hurt. My AC joint, it still cracks. <laughs> Even today, I know it's kind of gross. Sorry. And so my whole senior year, I played very tentative. Very, very tentative. I was scared. I didn't want to get hurt. I was just scared. And I wasn't going to get surgery. And I was just very scared I was getting hurt. I was, I was, I was, I was you know, shy on it. I don't know what the right word would be. I, I shied away from that. Why? The hurt, because it was it was painful. And and so I I, I kind of went from from a little bit bigger schools recruiting me to a little bit small, a little bit small. And and so there was some opportunity afterwards, definitely some opportunity, but it wasn't what I thought. You talk about disappointment. I was so disappointed. Man, I was disappointed. I ended up graduating and um and 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 there was through some some series of events, I had an opportunity to go to Tulane, and I was going to walk on my second semester. And we had talked to the folks, and all that was being worked out. And and uh, but October twenty seventh, my freshman year in college, I went to a Bible study and got born again. My life was radically changed at that moment. Pause. Am I saying that God hurt my shoulder? No. I think God used all of that. If I'd have gone off to college somewhere and done some, who knows? But God knew on that date, on October 27th, I was going to meet Christ. My life was transformed. What I thought was a disappointment was actually a timeout because God was positioned me for my life to be transformed. Come on. Isn't that amazing how God works? So all I'm saying is this. You need to discern. Everybody to say discern. You need to discern, is it the devil? Could be, but it could be God. Paul says, listen, listen, he was kicking against the goats, St. Paul, Paul the apostle. What was he doing? He's fighting against God's plan. Jonah was fighting against God's plan. We've got to be careful because when we don't obey God, we don't do what God's called. Let me tell you, and God's plan for our life is better than our plan for our life. It's not like I've got to obey God. It's such a drudgery. No, listen. There may be a there is a cost, but there's a great reward. <laughs> there's a great benefit. There's joy and fulfillment and peace and the provision of God. So, so, so this is not some oppressive thing here. The word of the Lord will come to us, and we have a choice: will we obey or disobey? What will we do when God speaks? You can always find a ship. You'll always find a ship. Always find a ship. Going 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. You'll always find a friend group. There'll always be a group of kids. Always. One final thing I want you to hear today. God is the God of another chance. The fact of the matter is this whole story is not just about Jonah, but it's about God. By the way, I don't ever like hearing there's only a second chance. 
Because there's times when I need a third chance and a fourth chance. The, 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 the real, the real, the real, the greatest character in this book is not Jonah. It's God. In two ways. You know what happened? Jonah goes down. <laughs> it's crazy. Jonah goes down and he preaches and the city repents. All right? So number one, it shows God's mercy towards a wicked city. But there's another side to this. It showed that God's mercy to a man that had a bad attitude, that didn't want to obey. I know there's times in my life where God's told me as a pastor, go amend things, go do this. And I, you know what? I know that I've not gotten it right. I know that I still, again, out of my own human nature, I know I can still miss it. I know I do sometimes, but I am so grateful God doesn't throw me away. He gives me another chance. God gives me another chance. I'm so grateful for that. Listen, that's not a pass to disobey. We're not presuming on the grace of God, but it's a provision when we do. The mercy of God is not a pass to disobey, but it's a provision when we happen to disobey. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. I'm so grateful that God showed us a picture of God using a man even when he didn't obey, even when he was a reluctant man, even when he, listen, took a detour. And God, if he did it for Jonah, God will do it for you. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Can we do that? Father, we're so grateful for your grace and your mercy. God, we're grateful for what you're doing in our lives. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know Christ. You're not sure about your relationship with God. You're not sure if you, you're, you're ready to stand before God. The truth of the matter is maybe you were like me where for 19 years, right up to 19 years, as a teenager, <clears throat> I can clearly say from 12 to 19, seven years, I hardened my heart against God. 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, and almost 18 all the way through. I've just hardened my heart against God. But I thank God, God's mercy. See, I knew the truth. I was in church. I heard the word. And I'd rebelled, and I'd run, and I'd gotten on every ship and went in every direction I could away from the purpose of God in my life, away from the presence of God. But I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful on October 27th. 1987, God said, Steve, you're not going to run anymore. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're a Steve. Maybe you've got a little Jonah in you like I've had. And you say, Pastor, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? In the count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. Say, Pastor, I need Christ. Pastor, pray for me. I want to make things right with God. I want to call upon the name of Jesus. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, just hold your hand up high. 